Welcome to the COO Corners podcast. And in today's episode, we are talking transformation. The world requires us to transform. But how do we make this possible? How do we make it stick? Well, in today's episode, we're going to break it down for you. And with us is none other than our guest, Angie Tulgas. She is a business transformation expert who has worked in companies spanning from startup to Fortune 10. She's also a former Fortune 500 executive and is now an independent executive advisor and author. So please stay tuned. Yes, Angie. I'm so excited. This is your podcast one. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> and I'm excited to have you as my first guest, Angie. It's such an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us. And um, just to think that we just met uh, a few weeks ago, what it feels like I've known you for a very long time. We have so much in common. Um, Angie is also an engineer and she is a former COO. <laughs> I think right? it's not just been a couple of weeks. We've known each other forever, it feels like. <laughs> it feels that way. It does feel <laughs> that way. And um, she's an amazing person and you will hear a lot about her and her journey and um, a lot about transformation today, right? So welcome again, Angie. It's really an honor and a pleasure to have you on the first episode of the COO Corner. It's something that I've been wanting to do for a while now. And I, you know, working with organizations for so many years, helping them to improve their performance and realizing that you know, working alongside COOs, the, the, the role, the very important role that they play and the weight of responsibilities that are on their shoulder. And I just felt compelled, especially in the last year or so, um, you know, given the, 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 the rapid changes that companies are on and the need for resilience, that this platform be created to just have this community for our COOs. So thank you for being here with us. I think it's a it's a great idea, and I love. There's something you said the other day when you were when you were telling me about this concept. Yeah. You said that operations is the heart of any organization, and I think that's a, a really great perspective um, that I have not heard put so eloquently before. Yes, thank you so much for reminding me of that. It is the heart of of the company, the operations, and you know we hope to have in this space unrehearsed, frank, open discussions with a very diverse group of COOs from around the world, uh, working in various sectors, various industries, various company sizes, to really open the broader conversation on operations and the challenges that are faced by COOs on a day-to-day -day basis, and also to allow COOs to discuss the issues that are important to them and tap into that communal wisdom to succeed and become stronger in, in business and in life. Which is what, great. What do you think? It's amazing how much, you know, across industry, across country, across, you know, function, like how much these challenges, you know, are the same, right? Yes. How much people have similar challenges, whether you are, you know, running a big finance organization across India, or, you know, you are running a big manufacturing firm, you know, in Germany, or, you know, running a big retail business out of California, right? Like it doesn't matter, you know, um, right. have a lot of the same challenges. So it's great that you're doing this. Yes. And um, especially in a crisis situation, everybody has the same challenges. That's the, the one common thing. So if, if somebody has 
been there and done that and can help somebody else, you know, you know, lessen their burden a little bit. Well, well, why not? So I, I think this is great for aspiring CEOs, COOs or um, ideal for those who are existing COOs. And uh, I think even, you know, any C-suite could listen in our business owners um, to gain insights that can help them to achieve their long-term personal or organizational goals. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and consultants can learn, like, right? They learn from the practitioners and the people who've done it, like what their challenges are and how they can help better. Like, right. It's a very broad audience for this. Yes, sure. yes, yes. You know, and um, a lot of them, I think, a lot of persons listening in are leaders like you <laughs> that have their feet on the ground and are seeking solutions to system and systems to take them to the next level, you know, and, and that's what we always are thinking of, you know, going to the next level and improving and continuously doing so, because um, we, we can never say that we have arrived, <laughs> especially in this. Right, right. All, the world's always changing. Like there's always something's going to be thrown at you. Yeah. Um, you know, some things you can plan for, some things you can't. Right, right. And, and one of the things that we, we said earlier was that um, Angie is an author and I, got her book. I love it. You have my book. I love it. I got her book. It came just a few days ago. So I'm still going through it, but I can't put it down. And um, <laughs> it, it's very engaging. The title is Transformable. And if you notice, all the images here are so well done are, and are done by Angie herself, right? Normally I would have a book and I would be um, take, I, I always mark it up and take notes, etc. And I find myself underlining every line in her book. I'm like, okay, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> like you've been there before and you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, so, like, <laughs> so one of the things that Angie said, right, is that um, especially now, business transformation is not optional and that the world is evolving at a dramatic pace changing our lives faster than ever before, right? And aren't we seeing that today? And that leads me to my very first question to Angie today. We are talking- So I, I have no idea what this question is going to be. Exactly, so, exactly. so bring it on, bring it on. Discussion, right. <laughs> We're talking to Angie today about transformation and, you know, when we speak of this, Angie, and I know you'll, you'll speak about this in your book, you know, what, what really is this and what does transformation mean to a CEO? Having been there, could you give me some, could you share with us some perspectives on that? Yeah, absolutely. So transformation to me is any big change that you're, you're taking on with your organization that you haven't done before. So mm -hmm. it could be replatforming your entire business on new technology. It could be building out a whole new product line or a new business attached to your original business. Uh, it could be a culture change where you've just been stagnant for decades and you're running well, but you're not innovating and you're not changing and you're not keeping up with things. Uh, it could be something where you're forced to change your entire supply chain because of say a pandemic, uh, but anything big complicated, you know, that really impacts the whole people system, you know, of whatever organization. So it could be part of your organization. It could be the entirety of your, your company. Uh, that's transformation to me. Ah, 
it, it reminds me of a, a, a phrase from, I think, Star Trek, to boldly go where no one has ever gone before. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it feels like that a lot. It really does. You know, like when you're facing a new one and for some of us, that's invigorating. Like that yeah. for me, that's exciting. Like the whole unknown and how you make it happen and how we're going to make it possible. But for some, the word transformation is very scary, Angie, right? And for some, especially, you know, based on my experience as well, working with organizations, helping them to transform. One of the things I, I notice is that uh, some, they have to be forced. <laughs> so when a crisis happens, like the, the pandemic or, um, you know, there are changes in regulations or, you know, um, there is some shift in, in the workforce that they have to now do this thing. That's, that's the only, only time. But it, the, is there a way for us to get transformation off the ground without waiting on a crisis to happen? Yeah, that's a, that is a, a really important you know, topic in general because it's, everyone faces this, right? You, you know you need to change, but how do you actually get the organization to go there when there's nothing forcing them to. And so, I mean, there are a number of different angles on that, but let's talk about from the, the COO's perspective, from the leader's perspective, right? The executive, whoever's in charge at the top who can, who can make the decision. There's a lot of nuance in really pulling together people and, and setting a vision and taking them on a journey that is often missed and that's a lot of the reason you can't get it off the ground, even if there is a compelling reason to change, right? Um, because even if you have a compelling reason, that doesn't mean your employees, it's, it's really, it doesn't mean it's real to them, right? Right. So there's the situation where you're not being forced to change. The industry isn't really forcing you yet. You just know you should. And there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's then the situation where something is forcing you to change, but it's not real to your employees. Right? It might be real to you as a CEO or COO, and you're looking and you're saying, oh, our competition is really like, really going to start eating our lunch in five years or two years or whatever. Right. Hey, hey everything's fine right now. Um, those feel the same, right? It doesn't matter whether like there's that, unless you're like facing the pandemic and everyone's like, oh my God, like the whole world <laughs> is, is blowing up right now and supply chains are freezing and, you know, we have right. all these things. Um, then you can probably get your people to motivate, but still it's even hard then. Yes. So really at the core to begin with, I think it's really important that people look at it as, you know, you're trying to change a, a system of people, not just a process or a tool or, you know, and people aren't widgets, right? So you have to have a really people-centric view and be thinking of where are you trying to take them? How are you going to take them there? And how do you explain that to them? Mm -hmm. right? Tell a story about the vision you're going to take them to. Mm -hmm why it's compelling and why it's important and why it's going to be a great new thing and really make sure you spend the time to do that so it touches kind of the hearts and minds of the people that you're trying to take on that journey and that's the key to getting it off the ground in the first place. I, I think you raise a very important point and one that is often missed you know it is that the, the need to have the people integrated into the systems that you are putting in place for transformation to happen. Because without them, the changes won't be sustainable. And the changes, they have to be sustained for transformation to happen. 
Right. Otherwise, it's kind of a waste, right? right? Like, so many. Actually transformed. Right. And I think, um, you know, a lot of COOs are in this position where they know what needs to be done. Um, they either don't have the time to do it or they can't get the buy-in from everybody else that, hey, we need to do this now. And so the struggle is always there, very real to them to, to um, get this buy-in from very early in the process, yeah, right, um, for this transformation to happen because usually the transformation will take a while, true? Not, not yeah, just... Absolutely. It, you said something really interesting a minute ago too. You said they often don't have the time. And I think that's a really interesting point is that leaders feel like they don't have the time mm-hmm. to actually do a good job of setting up their transformation and making sure it will succeed. And that's a big problem, right? Like transformation is not trivial. And so there, I've, I've met so many leaders like this, so many executives where they're like, yeah, like we know we need to change, but you know, here are all these other priorities we're gonna worry about right now. Right, so you're really not changing then. <laughs> what you're saying is that you really don't really wanna change, that you'd like to talk about changing, but you don't actually wanna change. And, you know, for people like that, I'm, I'm very clear, I'm very candid in general, but with them, like, hey, like, if you just wanna talk about changing, like, just face that and like, don't waste the time because you're just setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment. Your entire team will be disappointed. Yes. You say, hey, we need to transform, we're gonna do this. And people are gonna be like, yeah, yeah, okay. Like some will, some will be yes, some will be no, right? As we just talked about. Right. If it's all lip service and it's not real, then they're all gonna be like, well, the next time you're like, hey, let's change. They're gonna be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, we'll wait until you change your mind again. Oh, so we have to we have to, to be clear, very distinct as to what we want to do and to put the resources behind it to get it done, right? So, yeah. so you know, and um, I think you had one of those one-liners that I, I love. This one is, um, transformation is not trivial. So I want to take note of that. That's a very profound statement right there. And, um, you know, there are companies too that have, you know, realized that transformation isn't trivial. And so they are not the ones that can't get the transformation off the ground, but they are trying their best to get the transformation process going, but they are struggling. How do they get past this stage, Angie? So the past, the stage where they've- They're struggling. They can't, they don't know how to get it to stick, I guess. (laughs) So like in the execution now. So like, so they started it, but they They can't just get it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the part where they're trying to actually get everything implemented or the part where it actually changes the culture? Where they're trying to get it implemented. Okay. They haven't even gone to the culture. Culture is like, ooh. <laughs> right, right, that is the <laughs> next level now. So we're starting with zero, then we're starting with those in the middle, then we're going to the end. <laughs> Good. Good, I love it. I love it. That's a very rational approach. <laughs> all right, so you've, you've committed to doing it, you've started, and now you're doing all sorts, you have a flurry of activity right? Like you have, you've built up teams and governance and project management and all sorts of stuff. And you have like, you know, hopefully some things written down about how you're going to get there. And and there are all sorts of things in this phase. So this is actually a really 
fun one. Well, for some of us, we talked about what's fun for some people isn't fun for others. But, um, you know, it's really common for people to walk into an organization, whether they're a new leader or they're, an, you know, a consultant or they're someone and find out that there's a transformation in progress. Right. Right. And it's not going well. And they and they're like, why? Like, like, like what is going on here? Like, it, sometimes it just feels like a never-ending rescheduling, right? Like, oh, we're gonna change this deadline. It's gonna go from June, and then it's August, and then it's December, and then it's a year later, and then suddenly it's two years later. Yeah. And suddenly the budget's twice as big to finish it, uh, and you just don't know what's going on. So, number one is getting the right talent to actually lead your transformation. Like that is a place people make so many mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever heard of someone go, um, yeah, we're going to put this person in that position because he's a good guy. Right. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what does that have to do with their ability to execute? Oh my goodness. And it may just not be the right fit. And it may hurt your transformation process significantly, actually. <laughs> and we have seen that a number of times. Yeah. It sounds like you've seen that quite a bit. I, I have, I have. But I, I'll wait for you to finish the, the other points before I, I, I share a story. <laughs> okay, yeah. oh, wait, no, no, share your story now. Share your story if it's on, if it's on the leader. Right, right. So um, it's, it's not, it, it's kind of on the, in the topic of um, transformation where persons are struggling and they may be struggling for a number of years. Right. And of course, the entire team has been, you know, like, OK, oh, gosh, this is not going to work. But the COO is, you know, still trying to keep it alive and still have, having people assigned. And those persons are struggling to get people to buy into it. And, you know, they are wondering, OK, what is the next step? Do you continue with this, even though it has a negative connotation within the organization? Or do they continue, you know, continue with something else, you know? And I remember with one case, I told them to rebrand the whole thing, <laughs> to just start fresh, give it a fresh look, a fresh name, a fresh feel. Don't bring the whole thing from, from um, six years ago and can try to, to dust it off and make it fit to what's happening. No persons have been burned. It's, you know, you're going to have a harder time to get persons to be on board and you're going to continue to struggle. So you have to, you know, change the whole look and feel of the whole process, rename it, rebrand it, use a different framework and get persons enthused around this new initiative. So, you know, it, it just brought that back to my <laughs> speaking to you when you spoke about talent and pulling persons. There are persons on this project now we're like, I really don't know why I'm here. I'm just doing this. I know nobody's interested and uh, it's a struggle, right? And it's, it's really a waste of resources and great talent that could be used doing other value-added things in the organization. Have you, have you found this to be true as well? I, I noticed that you were agreeing with me. <laughs> yes, I, I vehemently agree. <laughs> right. Yes. Like, I, I think you bring up a really good point with, when you talk about, you know, rebrand it, uh, the idea that if it's not working, if it's not happening, kill it, right? And then decide how to, you know, whether it needs to be reborn, whether it needs to wait longer, whether it needs to be restructured, whether it needs a new 
leadership because they put the wrong leader on. Yeah. Um, I actually, you know, thinking through this kind of thing is actually one of the reasons that I created this bonus section at the end of my book called Search and Rescue. Okay. And it's about, you know, a transformation is in, in trouble. You walk into a situation, transformation is in trouble. And how do you diagnose it? And that's the reason I included that section is because it's so hard and you're in the middle of it to figure out what's going wrong. But, you know, you, your point is really good. Like when, like one of the, one of the things you may diagnose it and be like, look, it's not salvageable as it is. And then you have to make a decision. Do you, do you still need it? Right. Or maybe things have changed in the world and it's time to put resources into something else. Um, yeah. You know, but if you still need it, like, yeah, what do you do? How do you like kill it, but then recreate it in a way that will be successful? Exactly. So I think that's a really, it's a really good piece of advice for people as that's a serious option that people should not be shy about if they're in that situation and it's really just not working, like stop. I think why sometimes we hold on to it is that we probably would have invested a lot of time and money into it already. And so you don't want that to waste, so to speak, but it may actually hurt you more um, holding yeah. on to it than, than letting go and trying something new. Um, something that works because especially if years had passed, the organization would have changed, the culture changed, the environment changes, um, your, your stakeholders change, which means that more than likely you would need to revisit that model anyway. So, yeah, so true. I think that's, that's excellent for persons who are struggling with transformations to, to look at that, to see, you know, if, if it's something that you need to let go of. And the other point that you raised is to look at the talent on the project and having the right leadership. Yeah, right? that is so true. That and and there's a fatigue element too that oh. people don't realize, right? Like the organization gets tired and people get tired and things need to end, <laughs> or or there's there's no more energy anymore. And that's something that you know also like people. I've had a lot of discussions about transformation, you know, especially since writing the book. And that's, that's one of the things that comes up again and again with people where they're like, hey, like that part where you talked about fatigue and needing to move fast for a certain reason, like it really hit home for a lot of people. And, you know, they, they say, hey, you know, I understand that the world's still moving. Like I get it, right? You know, competition is moving, technology is advancing, things are happening. But the idea that my organization is getting tired, it's not something I thought about. Ah. It's definitely a, an important aspect too when you think about, you know, you know, your instincts are amazing where you're like, okay, look, you know, you, you, you in that situation, you talked, you looked at the company, you assessed it and you said, you know, just like rebrand it, right? Kill it and rebrand it. Yeah. Like, that's great. But, you know, most leaders just can't like look at it and say, people are getting tired, you know? So like to your point, they're like, hey, I've still invested all this. I need to just keep leveraging it somehow but really people are so tired that they're not going to keep going. They keep cracking that whip. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> right, right. And eventually people, you know, they're just going to, they're waiting for it to finish on its own and go away and fade away. Right. Or they're looking for a new job. They've got their resume nice and polished and shiny looking. Yes, yes. True, true, true. And um, so, you know, we have those persons that, we, we spoke about the ones of getting them off the ground, the ones that are struggling and what they can do. But what about those who now we are getting to that cultural part at the end that we now need it to be a part of the organization where it's not 
it's not something that we're struggling with anymore or we have to think about it. It's like second nature and um, we don't consider it onerous because we know exactly what we need to do, how it needs to be done. And it's just seamless. How do we get there? Right. So we're at the end and it is amazing and fascinating when you, know, you step back and you realize that you can spend years and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions for big companies, you know, big global companies, and you can get to the end, end, I'm gonna put that in quotes, the end of your transformation and finish putting in systems and processes and all of that and restructuring your organization into new little org charts, mm -hmm. right? Maybe you even have a cool little card of like the principles that you give everybody and they sit on their desk. Um, but you can do all that and you can still fail to achieve the value you set out to. Right, right. It's not, yeah, like you said, it, it hasn't sunk in, it hasn't become part of the organization. Uh, so part of the success in doing that is first of all, realize that you still need to do that. Right? So many people just stop there. They're like, we're done and they celebrate yeah. and they have a party and it's all over, right? <laughs> they finished, but they didn't actually spend the time or they didn't want to spend the time because they're like, hey, we're running out of budget. Like, we'll just like hand it off to people and they'll just use everything that's new. Right. right. They have to spend the time with, with some training, with immersion, really immersion immersion in the new world for those people along the journey as early as you can, but especially in that last six month period before you launch, you know, mm -hmm. any systems and processes, right? Are you taking everyone on the journey? It's back to that, taking them on the journey. Like, how are you making it real to everybody? How do they know what their job looks like in that future world, how it's different, how it feels, how they'll be successful at it. And, and a lot of that, because now you're really facing that fear of the unknown by all the employees who need to change. And if you haven't removed the unknowns, they're gonna just default back. You can have the best new technology and they will try to use the old processes. You can yeah. have the coolest new process laid out and they'll be like, yeah, and they'll just try to do what's comfortable. If you haven't given them the confidence and the repetition and the immersion, especially nowadays, there's all sorts of tools. You can do augmented reality and virtual reality and, and stuff to help people imagine what they're gonna be doing differently. You know, you can even do simple old school things like bringing guest speakers who've done something similar, whatever it is. Like, say you're putting in a whole new manufacturing setup. Right. Use that before. Can you get speakers even virtually, right? Especially now it's really easy to get like video conferences and calls like we're doing and have somebody, you know, to, it doesn't have to be like the COO of another company. It can be another employee, you know, middle manager who's like, I just went through this type of transformation. Let me tell you about it. Like kind of demystify it. Here's how we take advantage of it. Uh, you can find a lot of great collaborations with companies that aren't doing exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like I've had some really good success with that, where you'll find someone in a in kind of a parallel space enough, but they don't compete with you. And like asking some other employees just to talk to your employees. So immersion, that's one big thing, you know, getting people to really imagine what it is so that they actually do capitalize on it and take advantage of the new technology and process and whatever else you're putting in place. But then there's also the, the people again. So let's get back to the leaders. Uh, if you have orchestrated your transformation really well, you're going to have put in some leaders from the inside. You probably got some help from the outside too. And most people will. Mm -hmm. And those people who've been leading the transformation who are the employees, strategically placing them into roles you know, as the transformation program ends can be really, really powerful in sustaining that whole new world. Right. 
So for example, um, you know, if you have, so I had a woman, I'll give you a real example. I had a woman who ran our global data conversion for a $130 million, 28 country replatforming transformation. And she then became the head of product delivery, which that whole new system that we'd migrated all the data for, right. like was now a global platform for product delivery. And so she knew, like she knew what, how it worked. She knew why it needed, what's valuable, how to actually capitalize on it. And then I put her into this, this director role over the space mm -hmm. where she could actually make it real. And so you didn't have to have that awkward handoff to right. someone else who's like, well, I don't really know what we built here. I'm going to keep doing what I used to do. So strategic use of people that you've put on the program and then you put them into operating roles at the end, that is a very, very powerful tool to make sure that you can sustain your transformation. Wow. I, I thought you, you drop a lot of gems right now. You just know, you know, I hope everybody's taking notes or <laughs> listen on repeat because I think those are very profound um, um, gems that you just shared, especially when it regards to people. And one of the things how I summarized it was, you know, the coaching, you know, so you're coaching them through the process and communication is gonna be key, right? We'll give them with equal, the, the, um, the confidence right? and the assurity that the, 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 um, the improvements will be sustained as, we, as they go on. So uh, well, you said that there, there's the you're helping them have the tools to have the confidence, but then they're also having like the example, right? Like the people that are being put into those positions that know, really yeah. know this are also the example setters. So not only are you giving all the employees the confidence and the, the ability to imagine what they're doing, but also the role models. Right? Exactly. Like, as you said that, it just came to me like I haven't thought about saying it that way before, but I think that's a you put it in a good light. Yeah, man, that's the engineer in me. And um, <laughs> love it, <laughs> love it. <laughs> and and you know the, the the tips are very low low cost and low cost tips that anybody can employ, and yeah. persons will will easily and readily share some of their insights as it regards to that. So you know that that's really really awesome tips there. Thank you so much for sharing that, and. Um, you know, the other question I have for you, Angie, um, is it ever too late for a transformation process to happen? Is it ever too late for a transformation? <laughs> never too late. <laughs> oh, that's a really, really interesting question. <laughs> because I hadn't thought about that, right? Like, at what point? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is sometimes too late, right? Like, what if it's time to just sell the company? Like if, like, like maybe you're, depending on your ownership structure, depending on what the company was intended to do, or if it's a division of a company, maybe it's time to sell it or close it down. Yeah. Sometimes it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Sadly, sadly. Or, or sometimes we wait too long to do what is needed to be done. And at that yeah. time, um, it, it's, it's too late. Right. So, um, you know, and I've seen this a number of times. Persons, they know what they need to do. Oh, I'll wait. It's not really going to affect me that bad. Um, and, you know, by the time something hits and they're running around, it's, it's, it's way too, too late to make any recovery. And the companies hurt really bad. Um, sadly, you know, it's the people that get hurt the most. Yeah. <laughs> um, usually. 
what from what I've seen. So it's very, very important for organizations to um, have the foresight and the courage and the commitment to do what needs to be done as it relates to transformation so that they can be resilient and ride the waves of change that are happening so at such a rapid pace in today's world. Now, Angie, you are have also been a COO yourself, right? Yes. Um, you know, what's the biggest challenge you had as a COO and how did you overcome that? Oh, that's a really broad question. <laughs> um, huh. So Angie has worked with um, Ford as in operations, right? So I worked at Ford, uh, mostly in technology, actually. Technology, right. Uh, and then I worked at GMAC, which was General Motors Acceptance Corporation. Right. Uh, and then I worked at Ally Financial. Before all that, I worked in startups, tech startups. Uh, so yeah, quite a bit of range of size of company from like 10 person company to, I want to say we were close to 400,000 at the time. Wow, 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 so, amazing. You know, quite, quite the range. Um, you know, I would actually probably, and this is like just off the top of my head because we're unrehearsed. Um, so one of the biggest challenges of being a COO is uh, honestly working with the head of sales. Oh. Often, you know, like your sales executive, because you are, you know, you're, you're the heart of the operation, right? You're running the company, you're running the operation, you're making things happen. And your mindset is very different from most people who are good sales executives, right? because you're thinking, you know, however many steps ahead about all the different people and the structure and the processes and how you're going to optimize and how you're watching out for the competitive action and you're doing this, that, and the other. And salespeople are really good at just selling the next deal and thinking that way. And some of them are strategic. Right. When they're strategic, they're still really focused on you know, just that kind of more of the, the moment of things of you know, making clients happy and things like that. Mm. And sometimes it's hard to balance that with your staff, quite honestly, like your operational staff mm. doesn't understand how the sales staff thinks and the sales staff doesn't understand how your operational staff thinks and wow. sometimes it clashes. And so you have to have a really good relationship with whoever's running whatever sales function you have in your organization and spend a lot of time with them, making sure you understand each other's perspectives so that when your teams clash, you can figure out how to pull them together for the good of the whole. But I would say that's one of the most, um, yeah, one of the biggest challenges. There are probably other ones since I'm just- Right. Off the top well, of so you tried them, you know, tried them donuts, you, you know, have coffee with them, you, you know. Yep. <laughs> Dinner, yeah, like out for drinks, you know. Um, if you're into golfing, which I'm not, I'm sure you could golf with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we get the point. We get the point. That relationship is very, relationships are what organizations are built on. And yeah. we have to have those good relationships within our teams and with those who we have, you know, externally at other stakeholders to ensure that, you know, things flow as efficiently as possible. So I really love that, that point in terms of building that relationship, especially with those who may have a different, um, you know, mindset as, you know, as to what that, that, that those customer requirements are and um, ensuring that everybody's on the same page where that is concerned. And the only way you can do that is through the communication and the relationship building. So, so, Thank you for that. And um, having those different roles, I mean, you, you've worked at all of those, those, those companies, are textbook companies as it relates to leadership 
and um, operations. So that that's and I was telling Angela she doesn't even look twenty, so I don't know how she <laughs> worked in all of those different places. You're only as old as you think you are. Same with you, though. I mean, I have the same reaction. Like, there's no way you did everything you just said you did. <laughs> so, as a leader throughout your career, what, what's one of the what's the number one question that you have used in your career that has given you a lot of successes? Like, what do you always ask? You know, there's power in the questions that you ask people, and having these these are very serious. You know, these are heavy rules. <laughs> so if you can't think of one question, what, what, what are some of the questions that you may ask of your team um, or, or just that has helped you to progress? Yeah, through your yeah I love that. I love that. Um, I've never been asked that before. I love things I haven't been asked before. <laughs> um, I would say that one of the most powerful questions that I ask people is, how do we make that possible? Uh, so whether someone comes to you with an idea that they'd like to implement, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, how, well, how do we make that possible? How can that be possible? Whether you're dealing with your general counsel or your head of compliance and they're ready to tell you all the reasons something can't work. Yes. You know, if you can get to them first with, well, what I really want to know is how we can make that possible. Right. And, and maybe that's like outside of the box, but that you can get some amazing progress out of that and some amazing results. Um, I have to say that at one point, I have a good example of that, you know, working with my, my general counsel who like, she was great. Uh, but you know, initially, like she was trained to like give you all like the worries, right? Like oh, here's my concern about everything. You know, here, your new business idea, like here's all my concerns. But eventually like, you know, she and I built a relationship where she understood that I wanted to know how it could be possible to do let's say in this example, a new business line, right? right. And so she, she would then create me the most amazing briefs because apparently if you're a lawyer, you have to create briefs for everything or memos. Um, but basically they, they would be like, okay, hey, so you know, if you're this type of a company, you can do this, you can invest in this, you could own this. If we were this type of a company, we can't. However, that doesn't mean we can't you know, hire a third party and do it through them to do it this way. And it was just, just the, um, you can get amazing results when you ask people how to make something possible instead of why it can't be done, which is the right. default for most people. Yes, right? it is. I, I think that's such an, a profound question, Angie. How can we make this possible? I mean, you're, you're saying to them, it's us, I'll support you, um, but I need you to take some initiative. I need you to tell me what you have thought of and how you're gonna help to solve this problem. And uh, let me know how I can support you. So in that one sentence, you're saying so much. And um, you know, I've, I've seen this work, especially in transformation um, processes. Oh yeah, where so much unknown. So many, so many unknown. It's not a one-man job. Um, you know, so by doing that, you're inviting others to join in, to be a part of the team to take the transformation process forward. And that's what you're gonna need. Um, you don't wanna be the only person that knows all the answers and solving all the problems. <laughs> right, right. And you want people, furthermore, you want people to operate, at least I do, I want people to operate on their own, not be able to operate autonomously and independently. So I wanna teach them to think yeah. so that they can operate on their own. And if they're always thinking, how can I make this possible? And they get better at that, then eventually they're just making things possible on their own. They don't need to come to me anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. Awesome. One, one of the things that I have been, you know, very passionate about, especially now, is the whole matter of resilience. And I think resilience and transformation have a lot in common, um, especially when it comes to um, transforming, right, and sustaining the transformation. Mm-hmm. It's very key. Yeah resilience so you know when when you think of of that word you know resilience what 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 does it mean to you uh so to me resilience brings to mind the idea of being adaptable and being able to you know flex um in the light of different circumstances and and so and it makes me think of building in adaptability and flexibility and resilience so that you know, that it's possible to do that. And so then that makes me think of transforming in such a way that you're implementing things that have enough flex in them. Yeah. Not just in the process itself, like, okay, here are the caveats as to how you can change your process, but also the people. The people are equipped to be able to flex and adapt and think about and deal with whatever just got thrown their way while keeping in mind the bigger picture of what they're trying to accomplish. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, in terms of organizations that want to be resilient, that wants to transform, we spoke about those that are either struggling at the beginning, they're somewhere in the middle, or they're somewhere at the end and trying to make it stick. Is there any group that's winning and what's their secret sauce? I get any of those three groups that are winning more than the others. That is, a, that, is, that is a hard question. I don't know. I think we'd have to do a study on the world. Like, you know, you know do a bunch of surveys. Maybe that you could do as part of your podcast. Like at some right. point, you know, you, you build like your huge network of followers. We should do that. We should do a survey and find out like, yeah. Like What's that, that secret sauce? <laughs> we need data for that one. I mean, Maybe that's engineering me now, but I don't think I have an answer for that. All right. So we, so we have a study. Ladies and gentlemen listening in, that's coming soon. And if anybody that can fund that, that our, our university that we can partner with to find out, you know, that, that small group of persons that have it running, what, what is it that, 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 that helps them to take? And it may not be one thing. I'm, I'm sure it's not one. It's more than likely a combination of, of, of things um, but it will be interesting to see. And of course, I'm sure it would change based on the location, the area. The, the yeah, it could get really interesting. You could write a whole, you know, a whole oh, thesis on that. Maybe you could yeah. get a PhD. That's a thought. That's a thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know we're, we're coming to the end of our our time here at Angie, and Angie is somebody that we could speak to for the entire day. I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen. She is such a resourceful person and very easy to talk to. Um, so, Angie, you have you are you are now working as a consultant, right? Sure. Yes, you're an author, um, executive advisor, transformation coach. Um, what? You know, as you continue to stay on top of things in your within your current role, what what are you curious about right now? What are some of the things you are researching the most? Oh, oh, I I love learning new things. So, you know, one of the things I'm having the most fun with right now is 
a number of my clients are really rapidly growing companies. Mm. There's something really unique about when you're working with executives and you're helping them take leadership turns really, really fast mm. and also helping them think about the strategy and how they're growing the company. It's almost like a bunch of mini transformations and the transformations aren't actually small. It's just that they have to go so quickly that agility, <laughs> very agile in terms yes, they have to be very agile. Like it's, a, it's an agile leadership development coaching yeah. type of thing that I'm really seeing how all the different phases of my life and career and different types of transformations are coming to bear on helping someone, you know, scale their company and double their employee base in 12 months, basically. Is wow. What it is. Yeah. So it's a really unique scenario where, where they're building new businesses, they're, you know, growing the company, they're building new, new clients on their existing product lines. You know, it's really, it's really just a fascinating undertaking. And so, that's one of the things that I'm really you know, kind of digging into right now and learning the nuances of um, and what, what is most important at different phases. And is there even a pattern to it? Or does it depend a lot on the leader and the type of leader that I'm working with? Wow. Um, I think there are some patterns, but there's also you know, different businesses and different people. And you don't, you know, it's not a one size fits all. You, know, you can't advise each yeah. person to behave the same way in the same situation. I don't believe in the cookie cutter approach at all, especially when it comes to transformation. There are going to be um, nuances with each um, organization that they need special and specific and sometimes very granular <laughs> care, right? To ensure that they, they get the results that they want. That's very exciting, Angie. It looks like we need to have probably a part two where we can hear more of the, of the developments of, of what you're doing right there. Anytime, anytime. I'd mean, love to talk to you again. And you know, also there's the tragic tales of transformation that I've been doing on my website um, where you know, it's just fun talking to different people about a, a transformation tragedy they went through and what they learned from it. So that's kind of a, you know, people are welcome to pitch me if they have ideas for that and they want to do one. Yeah. So you hear that, ladies and gentlemen, you can, we, we're going to find out how we can get to Angie in a bit. But, um, you know, the last question well, that I have for you, Angie, is there any question that I should have asked that didn't ask? So if I, you were to step in my shoe, what was the question that I didn't ask you that you'd want me to ask you? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe... Maybe for our next one, you could ask some question like, you know, tell me like, like a story that, you know, in retrospect was really funny, but really frustrating at the time or something like that. Like, I just love like when people tell their stories, right, about these like unique situations where, um, like, I'll give you a little one really fast. For my please, dad. please, we want to hear it. You can't just tease us like that. Then. <laughs> so, <laughs> so early in my career, and I actually talk about this one a little bit in my book, um, like, I was working in this custom software shop and so we'd build new software all the time for new clients. Right. right. And anyway, we'd be building software and these people, you know, that we were working with would start bringing up these risks and be like, Oh, well, that's a big risk. Oh, we can't possibly do this because this might happen. And it was, it felt like they were just arbitrarily bringing up risks just to like stop things in their tracks. Cause then right. it would like the meeting would halt and people would be like, Oh, Oh, what about that risk? Right. And I'd be like, doesn't matter. Like, can we just get stuff done? And I just, couldn't figure it out. And so I, I, you know, I eventually learned, but 
but I would have this picture that I would draw on my whiteboard in my office and I'd be a big risk cauldron. It'd be like a big pot, you know, with the word risk on it, and like a stirring you know, stick for it. And like, I draw like little people dancing around. I'd be like, they're just pulling things out of the cauldron. Like there's a risk cauldron somewhere hiding and people are just pulling the random thing that bubbles up off the right. cauldron and throwing it forward in the name of risk management. And it was just one of those things where I was just so frustrated by it. But now looking back, it's kind of hilarious because it's a, it is a thing, right? I mean, so many people tell me like, oh yeah, we have a risk cauldron at our company. Like somewhere people are just pulling out these random ideas to explain why we shouldn't do something. So how, how did you overcome that though? It was frustrating, but how did you get past that? I mean, did the image alone help you to, 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 to um, pull that strength? <laughs> the image did, did help me to not just go crazy, right? So I have this theory that, you know, in work, like, and when things get frustrating, you can either laugh, you can cry, or you can quit. Uh, I'm not really much of a crier, so I usually laugh. Um, you know, and sometimes it's time to quit. That's me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> but yeah. So, so anyway, so it did help actually to write it down and draw it and to have something to talk about, to put it into perspective that it was kind of crazy what was going on and other people could understand that it was kind of crazy. Um, I wasn't alone. So you know, it was one of those things where at the time, at that exact moment when I first created the concept of the risk cauldron, I didn't have a good solution. It was, you know, ultimately I started like, you know, building relationships with people and understanding where they were coming from and, you know, working through it that way. But then over time later in my career, I could identify when it was starting to happen and cut it off at the pass and just not allow it to be a thing, right? Like if you frame up things better, and this is probably more of a topic than we have time for, but the framing of what you're doing as a leader is really, really critical. And so you can frame things up for how you discuss things or how you lead people that allows that kind of behavior to come in, but you can also frame it so it's hard for it to come to bear. So kind of a, a learning later on. That that sounds, that's, that's very profound. So, you know, it sounds that, you know, after a time you're able to see what was happening and be able to create a framework that won't allow that incident or event to happen. Uh, but, but that only happened after years of experience. Right. But maybe other people can learn from that and they can, they can not have to spend years figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's a real good, good way of dealing with it, um, making a, a frame for it so that you can, I guess it's better control as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, wow, that, that's, that's, it's, it's, you see, we need a, a part two. So, yeah. <laughs> Angie, how, how can we support you at this time? Ah, um, well, I'd love for people to know more about the book and to be reading the book and using the book in their organizations. Um, so, you know, transformable. You can learn more about the book on my our images. You see, that's, that's where she got all that, those skills from, from her frustration on her white. Right. <laughs> Yes, I did all the illustrations myself. Um, I had to teach myself to draw stick figures for it. Um, like good stick figures, right? Not just like stick figures that all look like bald white guys. Right? Yeah. But like stick figures that look different. And my, my, my daughter was like, mommy, I really like this book. I, I love how she drew the little lady with the cape flying in the wind behind her. I was like, yes, that is really cool. <laughs> I need that. You should... You should, we should do a little video of your daughter saying that. And I could like use that on, on LinkedIn or something. <laughs> I anyway, will, I will. <laughs> that would be good. I'd love to just get reactions to it. So yeah, if people 
you know, check out the book. Um, you can read about me and the book and the tragic tales. You can read all the tragic tales at my website at tuglus.com, T-U-G-L-U-S.com. So um, all the illustrations there I did as well. It was a lot of fun. But that's really what, you know, would be great. Just, I'd love to see the book kind of just, you know, be like a contagion across the, the globe, right? right? Where just people are just like reading it and using it and talking about the risk cauldron and overcoming the risk cauldron and succeeding in transformation because uh, most of them fail. Yes, most do. And it's, it's so good when you have um, AIDS and persons who have been there, who have done that, who have systems, who can, um, uh, you know, customize these frameworks to meet the needs of the organizations, to help them through this journey, because it doesn't have to end in tragedy and it doesn't have to be, you know, a stressful situation. Right. <laughs> it can actually work. And um, I think I'm going to another song. We have to know when to, to fold them. <laughs> Right, right. You're going to do a little, little know when to hold them. Yes, and when to run. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Is that going to be your theme on, on part of the podcast? You're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to need some theme music. You're definitely going to need some different theme music. <laughs> I'm working on that. <laughs> oh, boy, that's so funny. But thanks again, Angie, and to you, our listeners. Um, you know, it has been a very wonderful and enjoyable discussion, uh, very enlightening. Um, you know, I, I, my wish to everyone is that may the next few months be a period of magnificent transformation. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. And I love the idea of magnificent transformation. Yes. I hope yes. so as well. And maybe people will tell you stories on your next podcast of some magnificent transformations or, you know, some transformation tragedies, but hopefully we'll start skewing it toward the side of Magnificent. <laughs> we will see, we'll definitely see. But, um, you know, I am just looking forward to, to sharing more and, and learning as well from others as we um, continue with our episodes. So episode one down, thank you so much for listening in and do have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Hope this was of value to you. If you want to reach out to Angie, you can find her at www.tulgus.com where you can get the book, read her about her tragic tales, or pitch her if you have a tragic tale to tell. You can also email her at tulgus at gmail.com or just check her out on LinkedIn. Join us and listen in to our next information-packed episode entitled is the COO the new CEO there is a lot of mystery and questions surrounding this role of C of COOs many different titles this next episode will demystify everything around that so please listen in feel free to reach out to me at tamar at tamarnelson.com or on linkedin at tamar-nelson if you would like to be a guest or to share any feedback or suggestions you may have, please reach out to me. Also, feel free to share and subscribe to someone who you think would enjoy these episodes. Until next time, or as we say in Jamaica, what good? <laughs>